0: Hi, I'm Ian, co-founder at Dig Insights and president of Dig's Innovation Insights platform, Upside. Welcome to Dig In. Dig In is the place to stay up to date on what's happening in the world of innovation, research, and technology, to find inspiration from today's business and innovation leaders, and to properly dig into hot topics that matter for consumer brands right now. And when applicable, we'll bring our own research to that conversation. Today I'm talking to Steve Schlesinger, CEO of Schlesinger Group. Steve has been in the marketing research industry for over 35 years, starting his career as a project manager and then working his way up to lead Schlesinger Group for the past 25 years. He is a founding member of both the Insights Association CEO Summit and the Marketing Research Education Foundation. Steve was presented with the MRA Honorary Lifetime Member Award in 2015. In addition to all of that, Steve serves on the board of directors of Inspire.com, the board of directors of HR Acuity, the advisory board of bern the advisory board of the university of vermont foundation and advisory board of michigan state university master of science in marketing research program that's a lot <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure. thanks so much for joining me today steve great to be here ian wow do you ever sleep that's 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 a lot of things i yeah, know
1: it is a lot you know it is funny i actually don't sleep a lot i probably sleep about 4 or 5 hours a night I've been doing that since I was a little kid, so I think I just have all this pent-up energy and
0: uh, just don't require that much rest. Well, thanks for making some time for me today, um, because I'm kind of excited to talk to you about Schlesinger Group, and I know you guys have had amazing growth, and you've expanded substantially into multiple new areas. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about the overall strategy that led to that success and that expansion?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, I mean, I think we have had great growth for, you know, the last couple of decades. And um, <clears throat> what that has allowed us to do is really build, I think, a really strong brand in the in the insights industry and, and really a incredibly uh, strong foundation to f- uh, have further growth. And really what we did is about a, a couple of years ago, we sat back and said, you know, we've done a lot of really good things. We've, we, you know, we've had a really nice outcome Uh, To date, how do we take it to the next level? And a lot of that has really sort of um, instigated the growth over the last year or two. Uh, You know, we're looking at expanding our portfolio in terms of our services, our capabilities, our geographical presence. And um, that's really led to our most recent acquisitions and, you know, sort of continued uh, journey uh, to what we believe is still a lot
0: more further growth down the road. So. Most recent acquisitions, what would be like a good example that somebody could so example would
1: be um market cube or twenty twenty research both of them we did earlier this year um, actually twenty twenty was done right in the midst of of uh, the start of covid um, so that was interesting, but um, you know both of them have allowed us to sort of um, grow in two parts of our business that were probably much smaller in nature, one being digital qual or online qual. And 2020's toolkit is, is incredibly robust there. Plus, they're just an incredibly strong brand and culture and a great group of people. And then Market Cube, which has really allowed us to um, sort of catapult our quant business uh, significantly. They played a lot more in the consumer and B2B space, where we were playing a lot more in healthcare. Um, but what 20, but what Marketing Cube has really allowed us to do is, is really focus more on tech and automation related to quant and sort of agility and speed in terms of the data collection aspect. So, you know, both are great companies, you know, founder-led, very entrepreneurial. So the chemistry fit really well with, with our business. Um, and so far, so good. I mean, both businesses are doing incredibly well and were very timely for us related to the COVID pandemic.
0: So... When you expand that quickly, I mean, particularly expanding into brand new areas, acquiring businesses that, you know, are in many cases not adjacent in the same space, but not really serving the exact same need or the same customer, it can be difficult to structure that in a way that allows for nimble decision-making. How have you you balanced that increased scope with that ability to still stay nimble when it comes to decision-making?
1: yeah so you know it's a great question, and I think it's something that we're trying to always test ourselves against. Um, you know, probably really for the last decade. I mean, you know when I think back of you know in, in two thousand we were probably a ten million dollar business, and today we're north of two hundred million, you know it, it's a very different organization, you know, structurally decision making. but what we're trying to do is keep ourselves rooted in sort of what has made us successful throughout the years, which is really this entrepreneurial spirit, this idea of, of people having ownership, feeling very vested in the success of the business and really being able to not get hung up in tons of meetings or you know, really uh, clumsy, clunky decision-making, you know, really trying to be smart and be calculated and be thoughtful, but not be slow in response. Um, and I think that's gonna be the key, right? As we continue to get bigger, I can only imagine if we were twice the size as we are today, how do we keep that sort of spirit within our culture, within our sort of practice, how we process and so on. Um, so far so good, but you know, there's no question as you get bigger, you really have to make sure that you're not losing that, that edge.
0: So have you found that as a result of COVID and, and the need to be much more virtual, has that made it easier or harder for you to deal with all of these different geographies that you manage?
1: Yeah, so, you know, I think it, I think it's challenging. You know, we've always been in a bit of an in-person culture um, just in terms of, you know, meeting and spending time together. And frankly, a lot of our sort of organization is rooted in having fun together, too. It's, you know, having dinners together, you know, going out bowling or whatever it is that we might be doing that creates that bond. Um, You know, we've we've done, you know, all the typical stuff, you know, the virtual happy hours and the funny hat days and things like that. But it is hard. And I think that the part that really worries me is the exhaustion of it. You know, I think we're all on, you know, whether it's Zoom or some other platform, you know, six plus hours a day. You know, I find it to be um, really um, challenging. Um, you know, it's great to see people. It's great to talk to people, but it's also not what's typical. Um, yeah, you know, so we're, you know, I'd, I'd say we've probably had a couple in-person meetings, socially distanced with all proper precautions, but um, you know, they've been very limited in geography and and surely not what would be normal uh, pre-COVID.
0: Yeah, I mean, I definitely miss, for instance, the uh, the CEO summit that that you founded. Um, you're always really high energy at those. You keep the you keep it fun and you keep everyone engaged. And you know we miss it. We begin to miss it, but uh, we'll get back. We'll get back. And
1: I think I think we will. I mean that's the part that's tough, right? I mean I'm I'm a very um, in person person. Like I love the idea of getting together with people and you know being social and having a chance to really chat. And you know I think a lot of times what happens is even on Zoom or or whatever platform you're using. The truth is, is that many times you tend to just get down to business. Um, you know, you're not necessarily spending the time, you know, catching up and doing all the things that you might normally do over a meal or, you know, in a, in a more casual setting. So I think um, I miss that part. That's the part that I've always enjoyed about our industry. My clients, my colleagues, the folks I work with within my
0: organization. So. As you continue to expand and grow, you need to obviously have a good sense of where the category is going. where's where growth going to come from? What do you think the future looks like for the research industry? Um, you know, COVID aside, because no one could have predicted that happening. But what's your vision? What, what you know? What do you see our industry looking like in the future?
1: Yeah. So I mean, I think that there's a, a variety of different things you could think about. I mean, you know, I, I think of them almost in themes. So, you know, speed and agility is a theme. Um, you know, sort of global capabilities is a theme. Um, working for different types of clients is another theme uh, that we consider. You know, and, and when you put all these things together, you recognize this need for, you know, maybe doing what we do today, but doing it a little bit differently, um, doing it with a little bit uh, uh, of a different strategy or direction related to those changes. Uh, you know, I think some of them, you know, COVID has caused to happen a bit faster, you know, take it for an example, agility, the ability to provide information to clients faster and, and maybe, you know, with a little bit less structure than what might've been with more planning and more time in the past. Um, I think about the fact that, uh, you know, clients are, you know, surely working globally. And, and you know, the, the, the nuances of different cultures and different geographies is very critical. And, and, and then, you know, look at how clients are using research today. They're using it in lots of different ways. They're also using lots of different methodologies to collect information. And this idea that, um, you know, we have to be a bit agnostic, you know, especially I'm in, in my line of work where, you know, we're out there collecting information for clients. You know, one day, it's you know qualitative. Next day it's quantitative. The next day it's a hybrid of the two together, or some other type of, of of cross methodology that they're trying to to institute. You know, and then you've got clients looking more at longitudinal data and how that all ties together. So, you know, I think that we're in an interesting time in our industry. I think that if if we get stuck in 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 sort of this same old, same old um, type of, uh, of way of doing things, I think we're going to be challenged in the years to come. And frankly, when I look at the companies that you know, maybe are the most interesting out there, they're newer players to the space. You know, These are companies that didn't exist a decade ago or two decades ago. So you know, when you think about that and then you really sort of accelerate it a bit, You know, if you're not on top of your game or if you're not thinking about these things, I think you're going to be um, at
0: risk. So, I mean, what I think is really interesting and really insightful about the way that you've expanded is that you've expanded in a whole bunch of different areas and in a whole bunch of different technologies and also traditional services. And I think our industry as a whole, over the last few years, there's been obviously a very clear direction towards automation. And there's been a lot of very automated players who've experienced a lot of growth. I mean, often, you know, after taking substantial... um, investment, not that that's a bad thing for sure, but uh, they haven't always had a holistic service model. And so, you know, my point of view is, and I, I was talking to somebody named Mike Stevens the other day, he he hosts a, a site called Insight Platforms, and he was saying there's 900 automated platforms on his directory alone. And so what's your, you know, what's that? what's your opinion on, you know, the need to keep services tied to to automation or, you know, because you've been able to build such a holistic agency.
1: Yeah. It, it's interesting because I think that there's really, you know, generic or generally speaking, there's two types of clients out there. There's the clients that sort of work more traditionally and there's the clients who work less traditionally. And, you know, sometimes that can, ha- that could exist within the same client. So you'll have, you know, folks that, you know, have, you know, the usual agency model, they work through an agency from a brand and, you know they, they go through the RFP process and lo and behold they pick somebody and they go and execute the research and then there may be another group within that same organization maybe it's UX CX maybe it's in marketing where they need to execute research themselves and they may go about it very differently using more of a DIY platform or even just some kind of an automation function that allows them that agility or that type of, of offering and I think that that's Part of what our model is is it's this idea that we can service lots of different masters. We can really go back and say, you know we, our clients are, are, are vast and, and different, and you know we should be able to hopefully support them well either way. Um, I still believe that in the dynamic we're in today, service is critical. Even when you look at DIY, in many cases, DIY is not entirely DIY. It's DIY plus plus. You know it's this idea that yeah i want to automate and i want to work fast and i want to be able to do certain things myself but i need some support and the support could come in a variety of different areas so you know i think that you know clients are working you know more towards automation but i don't think they're there yet and i don't think they're going to be there anytime soon um i'd also just add that you also see clients who 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 pluck different things on different days you know, based on their own bandwidth, based on what's going on within their organization, based based even on the risk of the of the project at hand, you know, where they may want to bring in certain expertise that maybe they didn't last week because it was a different um, type of project they were working on.
0: Well, it's definitely exciting to see uh, the growth that Schlesinger's had and the direction that you're taking it in. And I'm always interested whenever I see your Company's name pop up in the news, so thanks so much for taking some time to talk to me today, Steve.
1: Oh, my pleasure, Ian. Anytime, and uh, have a great day, and look forward to catching up soon. Thanks.
0: Thanks for joining us for this week's episode of Dig In. If you want more information about Dig Insights or Upside, please check us out on LinkedIn or at our websites at diginsights.com or upside.com. If you have any ideas for future episodes or would like to be a guest, please feel free to direct message me through the LinkedIn app.